the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We are simply called to go and to share the message of hope to the people that are around us that are hopeless. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. I've entitled this message, Taking Action. I'm sure we've all heard the words, talk is cheap. It just means anybody can talk a great game. It happens all the time from armchair quarterbacks. Those are the guys that criticize their favorite team's quarterback and say, I would have done it differently. Well, it's easy to say that when you're reclining in your lazy boy recliner and you don't have four 300-pound linesmen from the opposing team running full force at you trying to incapacitate you. Their only desire is to make you one with the ground as they plow you into the turf. But this mentality happens in every aspect of life. If someone says something foolish, you know, we can sit back and think, I would have never said that because sometimes what we say can sound pretty lame. Like this inspirational quote from actress Winona Ryder when she said this quote, I feel my best when I'm happy, end quote. Thank you for sharing that, yes. I think we all feel our best when we feel happy. (laughs) It's like, okay, yes, it's easy to listen to some and think, I would have never said that, but in reality, if all was told, I'm sure we would all have our share of mistakes and things we wish that we would have never said. Well, as we continue in our study through the book of Exodus, we will pick up from where we left off. Moses was completely overwhelmed. He went back to Egypt because God told him to go back. He returned to his roots, you could say. The people of God received him with open arms. They rejoiced in the fact that God had not forgotten them and they had sent, God had sent a deliverer for them. So in the midst of their misery, in the midst of their hardship, and in the midst of their slavery, God had not overlooked them. And what a blessing that is to know that God had not abandoned them. And the same goes for each and every one of us today. 
no matter how difficult our circumstances might be, no matter how strenuous our struggles can be, no matter how demanding our journey has become living here in Los Angeles, our gracious heavenly father, he will never leave us or forsake us. He will never abandon us. And that is good news to know. Yet, as we saw in our last study here in Exodus, when Moses approached Pharaoh, the king of the world, you could say, and he said to them, let my people go, Pharaoh responded with, who is your God that I should listen to him? I will not let Israel go. Yes, he basically said, your people, Moses, happen to be my slaves, and they're not going anywhere. Then Pharaoh, thinking he had absolutely nobody to answer to, increased the workload of God's people. Now, the people, they went to Pharaoh, and they tried to reason with him. But Pharaoh shifted all the blame right on to Moses. And when the people returned to Moses, they said, Yo, Moses! Everything was great until you rolled into town. You have made us odious, is the word that they used. In the Hebrew, he says, you've made us stink in Pharaoh's eyes. Has anyone ever tried to help you out? And they actually made things worse. And all you could say was, hey, thanks for nothing. I remember when me and my wife, we were back east and we wanted to buy Uh, a home, but we couldn't afford a single family home. So the Lord ended up working it out for us. And we ended up buying a brand new townhouse when we were living back in Virginia. So we put the deposit down like on Saturday and on Sunday we were at church and there was a guy that worked in real estate and he said, well, did you tell him I was your real estate agent? Uh, no, we missed that part. He goes, well, you got to go back right now and tell them that I'm your real estate agent. We'll get, I'll get you free stuff. I'll get your, your basement finished off for you. I'll get, I'll get a deck put on the back of your house. I'll save you money. So we went back and said, well, you know, we actually have a real estate agent at our church. And they're like, oh, you didn't say that. Well, we, well, we, we do. And like, okay. So then he came in and he worked his magic. And by working his magic, the price of our house went up and we got nothing. Okay, so what he got, though, was a commission. He got half the commission as real estate agents get. So we went back to him like, hey, the price went up. You got us nothing. He goes, well, I'll give you the commission. All right, so that was a little bit of soothing, you know. So then the house closed. We moved in, and he got the commission, and we didn't. Again, thank you for nothing. Yes, you know, so have you ever had those people that try to help you and they actually hurt you? Well, that's what sent Moses back to the Lord. He's totally dejected now. See, Moses had forgotten that God had shared with him not once, but twice that Pharaoh was not going to let the people go. And we left off last time with Moses crying the blues over what he deemed as a complete and a total failure in accomplishing the mission that God had sent him to do. Well, 
that left Moses feeling totally dejected. It made him feel completely worthless. But let's not forget, God reminded Moses of what he was going to do. And we looked at the first nine verses there in Exodus chapter 6 last time. That's what we closed with. And God has said to Moses, now you're going to see what I'm going to do. And four times God says, I am the I am. Followed by God saying eight times, this is what I will do. He says, I will break Pharaoh's back. I will bring you out. I will deliver you. I will redeem you. I will make you my people. I will be your God. I will bring you to a new land that I swore to Abraham. I will give you all that as a possession. And God backed it up with the guarantee that is higher than any guarantee on the face of the earth. He backed it up when he said, I am the Lord. Wow. Yes, God pledged his faithfulness. God pledged his undeniable power. God essentially said to Moses, hey, Mo, step back for you And my people are going to see my mighty hand move against this arrogant king, the Pharaoh of Egypt. Now, one thing that we know as Christians is this, that God is extremely patient with us. Is he not? Is he not gracious? Is he not merciful to us? His love and his grace are always present in our lives. In fact, the Bible tells us in Romans 2.4, they call it the two by four of evangelism. It says the kindness of God is what leads us to repentance. This, of course, is demonstrated to us on a daily basis how God continues to work with us even in the midst of us falling and failing. But that's for the true believer. But for those who resist God, those who would rather live in their sin than to repent, this is what God has to say to them. Galatians 6, 7. He says, do not be deceived. Like, don't fool yourself. Don't get caught up into some delusion. He says, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. So you're going to reap what you sow. Like it might not happen today. It might not happen tomorrow. But all these people that smash and grab and, you know, steal and all these people that are hijacking cars and this and that and whatever you're cheating at your company, you're stealing from your company. Guess what? It's going to come back on you. And it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from. It will come back on you. Even the world knows this. They might not use the biblical term of reap what you sow. They might say, what goes around comes around. That's right, because it will come around. Other people might say, the chickens have come home to roost. That's right. Use whatever terminology you want, but one thing for sure it will come back on you. But with that as a backdrop, let's look at our point here. God said, go. As we read here, picking up in Exodus chapter six from where we left off last week in verse nine, we'll pick up in verse 10. Exodus six ten says this. Now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, go tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, 
to let the sons of Israel go out of his land. But Moses spoke before the Lord saying, behold, the sons of Israel have not listened to me. How then will Pharaoh listen to me? For I am unskilled in speech. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron and gave them a charge to the sons of Israel and to Pharaoh king of Egypt to bring the sons of Israel out of the land of Egypt. Isn't it amazing that, you know, first thing Moses says, this is after God just gave them all the I wills. This is crazy. But again, notice, even after God had spoke to Moses that he was the great I am, and after telling Moses all the I wills that he was going to do, again, saying, I'm going to bring them out. I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to redeem you. I will bring you into the land. I will take you for my people. I will be your God. This still, for some reason, didn't seem to stick with Moses. Why is that? Why are we so dense at times? Why does God have to teach us the same lessons over and over again? See, because Moses, after, you know, Moses shared them with the people in verse 9, Moses steps back completely into his excuses. He said in verse 12, well, your people, God, don't listen to me. They don't listen. You know, how then is Pharaoh going to listen to me when your own people don't listen to me? Again, he seemed to return to the same excuses that he gave to God all the way back in chapter four. I'm unskilled in speech. Again, this meant that Moses thought he was unable to speak eloquently. Yet when Moses was younger, the Bible tells us that he was a man of power in words and deeds. So there was a time when Moses, when he was in his prime, when he wasn't walking with the Lord necessarily, when he was being raised as the prince of Egypt by Pharaoh's daughter, that he spoke boldly. Well, what's the point here? Well, here's the point. Every one of us are called to go. We are called to open our mouths for wherever the Lord would have us to say. We're to open our mouths for what God wants us to say. We're to speak to whoever the Lord wants us to speak to. And we're to say whatever he wants us to say to them. Now, I've done many weddings as a pastor. And guess what I do at every single wedding that I do? In fact, if you come to me and ask me to do your wedding, this is what's going to happen. If you don't want this to happen, don't ask me to do your wedding. I always preach the gospel at a wedding. You might think, well, why do you preach the gospel at a wedding? Because guess what? Amen. Because this is the one time in your entire life as a person that you're going to have all your family and friends together in one place at one at the same time. And it's like many of them might not know the Lord. And they need to know in the midst of that wedding that God is the one that established the marriage covenant. 
that he is the one that says this marriage covenant is to reflect or to mirror a future wedding. So the very wedding that you people are looking at today is to reflect and to mirror a future wedding where Jesus Christ, the bridegroom, marries the church, his bride. Who's the church? We're the church, and we're going to have a wedding in heaven one day, and this is just a pre-run of what's going to happen with us in heaven one day. And then I share with them why Christ came and why he died for people, and that people can have a relationship with him. I've also done many funerals, and in the midst of every single funeral I do, I always preach the gospel also, for there's never a time when people are more aware of death than when they have lost their own friend or loved one and they've passed away. And they know they could be next. And if the person who passed away was a believer, I always say this, if they could come back just for a moment, And they wouldn't want to come back. But if they could come back, they would tell you that this message is true, that it is not a fairy tale, that one day you're going to die. Just like the Bible says, you're going to stand before God. If there's one thing they could share with you, they would come back and share that. That's what they would share with you. Get right with Christ. And so every time I've done a funeral, I remember the first funeral I did. It was the most horrendous thing ever. I was sitting in the staff meeting at Harvest. I had just come on staff. And they said, yes, individual passed away. There's going to be a funeral in Corona. And it's like, we need one of you guys to do it. And I'm just like sinking under the table. You know, I'm like, okay, you know, let me read my Bible right now. And they're like, you, you're the new guy in the block. I go, hey, I don't feel comfortable doing a funeral. I've never done one before. And they're like, that's the exact reason why you need to do this. And they gave it to me. I'm like, oh, great. What am I going to do? And I remember all I had was this. We had just moved back from the East Coast. I had a black wool suit. It was 106 degrees. It was outside in Corona. It was, there's no trees around. And I'm standing there. And all I could think about was there is a flood going down the middle of my back, down through this rear section of my body, and dripping down my legs. I was melting. It was 106 degrees. I don't even know what I said. And everyone was looking at me. Why? Because I was the pastor there. And I have no idea what I said. I'm just like, oh God, just let it end. Okay. And so then that night, this is dating myself here, but you know, we had pagers and I was the new guy on staff at Harvest. So I had to wear the emergency pager. So I get this page at like 10 o'clock at night. I'm just getting ready to go to bed. And this mother is calling me and she's like, you have to come and speak at my son's funeral tomorrow. I'm like, yes, ma'am. I would love to. I'm like, oh my goodness. She goes, yes, my son, he's 18 years old. He's at the high school and he was drunk driving and he hit a telephone pole and, you know, can you come and speak? And I'm like, yes, I will come and speak. And I'm just like, oh no, another funeral. What am I going to do? And I just remember going there and it was at Forest Lawn and and there was like 500 people at this funeral. It's like the whole high school went out. The teachers were there. The students were there. And I mean, they had an open casket. They're, they're falling in the casket crying. And I'm standing there like, what am I going to say to these people? And I was just like, I was just losing it. I'm like, oh Lord, you know, you have sent the wrong person. I'm doing everything Moses has done. 
Lord, you got the wrong guy. I can't speak eloquently. I mean, I'm saying everything Moses said. I'm sucking my thumb. I'm in the fetal position, you know. It's like, and so then, you know, this high school girl does a song on her guitar. And then the leader at the, you know, at Forest Lawn says, yes, you know, we have the pastor. I'm like, and I'm looking around. Where's the pastor? I'm the pastor. Okay. And I remember walking up to the pulpit, just petrified, having not a word to say, and the Holy Spirit of God just filled me at that moment. (laughs) Glory to God in the highest. I can't tell you to this day one word that I spoke. I have no idea what text I used. All I know is when I walked up to that pulpit, the Spirit of God filled me, and I preached the gospel at that funeral, the second funeral I've ever done, and over 300 people gave their life to Christ. And I'm like going... Oh, my goodness. And I got done, and I went back, and I stood, and the main guy at Forest Lawn leaned over, and he goes, Oh, my goodness. I have never heard a message. We do six funerals a day here. I've never heard a message like that. And I said, Yeah, I've done a couple. (laughs) I just didn't tell him the first one was yesterday. But anyway... Uh, that's just the Lord. I mean, that's just the Lord, okay? Yes, I've had many respond to Christ at funerals, and I've had none respond to Christ at funerals. But I know that the word goes out, and it doesn't come back void like the Bible says in Isaiah fifty-five eleven. meaning it will always hit its mark right then, or maybe it's a seed that's planted, and it will respond. The people will respond later, and the same goes for for all of us. We need to be faithful to go. We need to open our mouths. Understand, we can't save anybody just like we can't save ourselves. But as believers, we are simply called to go and to share the message of hope to the people that are around us that are hopeless. We are called to share God's message of salvation to the lost souls around us. God is the one who does the saving. We're just called to go and share. You know, the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy. Now, 2 Timothy is an interesting book because God raised up the Apostle Paul, who was once known as Saul of Tarsus, a Pharisee, who was trying to single-handedly stop Christianity until he got saved. And then all of a sudden, God used him to preach the gospel in the known world. God used Saul of Tarsus, who became the Apostle Paul, to write 50% of the New Testament. So the New Testament that we have today, he wrote half of it. Now, at the end of his life, when he wrote the last book that he wrote out of half the New Testament, which is 2 Timothy, And the last chapter, so you have to wonder, well, what is the Apostle Paul going to tell us? He wrote half the New Testament, but what's the last thing that he said in the last book that he wrote in the last chapter? This is what he said in chapter 4. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. He says, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come. When they, who's they? It's everyone around us that doesn't know the Lord. When they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. So people will be like what we see today. Tell me what I want to hear. 
Don't tell me what I need to hear. I don't want to hear truth. Just tell me what I want to hear. He goes on to say, and they will turn away their ears from the truth, and they will turn aside to miss, to things that are not true. He says in verse 5, but you, who's you? It's every one of us believers. He says, but you, be sober in all things. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. You might say, well, I'm not an evangelist. Pastor, you are. I'll leave that to you. No, 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 no. We're all to do the work of an evangelist. No, you might not get up and teach here at church and, you know, preach the gospel from the pulpit, but you're to do the work of an evangelist individually with the people you know and you work with. Yes, we're called to be ready. We are all called to go when it's convenient and when it's not convenient. That's why he says, be ready in season and out of season. So when you feel like, man, I'm like a V8 running on 12 cylinders. I just read my Bible all this morning. I'm prayed up. I'm ready to go. Okay, good. Go then. But there's also the day when you're not feeling good. You want to pull the sheet over your head. You don't want to go anywhere. Be ready in that moment too. Be ready when you feel like it. Be ready when you don't feel like it. We as Christians are to endure hardship. We're to do the work of an evangelist. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Core Truth is sponsored by and is a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, all one word, to 77977. You can also give via our app and online at corechurchla.org. Or you can mail your support to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.